In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is in our Amen. Thank you. And a blessed feast of Holy Pentecost to all of you. Before I speak on the Feast of Pentecost, I want to share a kind message that we received from some visitors we had last week. I tell you that you're loved all the time. I love you. God loves you. It's good for you to hear that other people love you as well. And so some of our visitors wrote and said, thank you so much for your warm hospitality. We enjoyed the service and the community. On the way home, we talked about fasting from sarcasm. We were touched by the piety and devotion of your community. I noticed that all participated actively in worshiping God during the liturgy, as well as being on time. Good job, you guys. And the beautiful choir and the many children. Thank you. So I wanted to share that with you because it was a, a beautiful word and you need to hear things like that at times. Of course, beloved in Christ, the mystery of God's power was revealed in humility when we suffered alongside him, when he went to his voluntary passion, when we experienced that static moment that lasted three days, his three-day burial, and then the brazen gates that seemed to be so strong, the gates of Hades were shattered like glass, like glass. Gates of Hades shattered like glass. When the King of Glory burst forth, overcoming death by death. But his goal in all of this was not just to prove his strength or his authority or his power or even his humble love, not to prove it so that we could stand back and say, that is better than ever, any television show I've ever seen. Wow. That's not the point. The point is to fulfill to fulfill the destiny or the calling. God's original intention for each and every one of us that we might become by grace what He is. How is that possible? Could there be anything better than Christ being right with me, right by my side? Seemingly not, huh? <laughs> Seemingly not. That's a pretty good answer. But that's not the answer I was going for. But that's what the disciples thought when Christ ascended. And the angel had to appear and give them reassurance. Be obedient. Remember? Be obedient. Wait on God. Another time of Wandering and questioning. This time, not so much fear, but prayer. A time of quietness. A very good lesson for each and every one of us when we think, what should be happening? What's going on? God, why aren't you doing anything? 
Well, maybe the answer is because you're not in the upper room praying. You're scurrying about as if I get to be a part of what you're doing. How about you watch? Quiet down for a moment and then you can become a part of what I'm doing. The disciples set a beautiful example for us waiting in obedience on God up in that upper room. And then on the 50th day, after the resurrection, 10 days after the ascension, 10 days is a long time when you're waiting, not knowing what's going to happen. Like a gush of wind coming into that room. And those tongues of fire, those little licks of flame, indicating the what would be the invisible presence of the Holy Spirit, but a manifestation providing reassurance of the very real presence of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the other Comforter that Christ promised. I will send you another Comforter, Christ said, when speaking with His disciples, and they experienced it in a beautiful way. When God became man in the person of Jesus Christ, we call him Emmanuel, God with us. When God revealed himself and entered into his disciples, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we could say the Holy Spirit is God in us. Christ is God with us. The Holy Spirit is God in us. And you hear these amazing things about them speaking in different languages, or to be more precise, It said the people around them heard them speaking in their languages. Interesting. Many commentators of the early church said it's not that the disciples spoke in various tongues and were experiencing glossolalia. They were praying in the Spirit. And the Spirit was allowing their voices to be heard in the languages that each and every person could understand. And you come to know, if you study the history of missions in the church, that the goal of the church was never to travel around and impose its preferred language on other people, but always to speak in the language that the people would understand. The Orthodox Christian missionaries in particular are responsible for creating many written alphabets for peoples who had no written alphabets, only spoken languages. Something else was happening here too. People who had been led to confusion as a result of their ambition in the tower, at the Tower of Babel. Trying to be God without God. That's what's gotten us into this mess and continues to get us into lots of messes. Trying to be God without God. And so, in their attempt at such a sophisticated ascent, man is seemingly, seemingly, I like to say, seemingly unstoppable when united in sin. Seemingly, God intervened, and we hear that they were divided by many tongues. Here we see the undoing of that. The undoing of the confusion of tongues that happened at the Tower of Babel, 
when people were seeking to ascend without God by their own ambition. And now they're shown that they can be united, not of their own ambition, but by the grace of God. Mankind united in sin is seemingly unstoppable. Mankind united by the grace of the Holy Spirit, totally unstoppable. Hades is already quaking. The demons are full of lies and they can't influence you in any way other than by deceiving you. And the truth is right here. The spirit of truth. Not just a thing of knowledge, not just a book that we read or a show that we watch, but the indwelling presence of God, and that's the grace of the Holy Spirit. You know so famously the words of the fathers of the church that say, God became man so that man might become what God is, not what God is by nature, but by grace. And that grace is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And also, you know, beloved in Christ, if you've read the writings of the fathers and especially the precious teaching of St. Seraphim of Sorov, he says, what is the goal of the Christian life? The acquisition of the Holy Spirit to become the dwelling place of God. But today is not a feast of piety. We think, ah, they finally got that big pat on the back from God. They got their special prayers. Spoken tongues, and I want that. I want special stuff too. But that's not the point. The point is not the pat on the back and the self-affirmation. Remember, the calling of the Christian is not to increase but to decrease. It's not a feast of piety. And so therefore this comforter, you heard the term paraclete? Paraclete, parakletos in Greek means comforter, if you didn't know that. Comforter, but this is not a worldly comfort, beloved in Christ. It's not like this Holy Spirit is here, finally. We can take it easy. You realize that was not the case in the lives of the apostles. Look at what happened to St. Stephen right away. What happened to him? Do you know? What? Tell me. He was martyred. He was stoned. St. Andrew, what happened to him? He was martyred. You got that one, right? It goes on and on. The kind of comfort is not one of worldly, temporal affirmation. But it's the peace that comes in adversity. It's the peace in, that comes from knowing, from striving in faith. Not of one's own strength or of one's own will. But striving to, find, to do God's will and finding peace in it. St. Paul calls it the peace that passes understanding. That's the peace that God is giving us by the grace of the Holy Spirit. And that's the comfort of the comforter. I struggled with that when I was a young, zealous Bible student and I was reading in the scripture and I kept hearing this word comfort, comfort this, comfort that, comfort. Why? No, we're not supposed to be comfortable as Christians. And I realized this is not because I misunderstood what that comfort is. 
It's not lazy boy comfort. It's peace and adversity comfort. And it's the kind of comfort that gives us the strength to do, to do what's right. So you can live, beloved in Christ, if you seek to do, God, do, to do God's will in faith. You can live life without regret. You can. You can live life without regret. What if I make a mistake? You, then you have the gift of repentance. We've got a sacrament for that. You come for confession. No, you free yourself of shame and regret in that. Bear your shame. Bring forth what would turn into regret that leads to distrust of God. I thought He was there for me. He is. He's granting you healing and redemption right now. Draw near with strength and courage. You can live a life without regret. By the grace of the Holy Spirit, we're given the strength to do right, not because someone said so or because we're told to. It doesn't feel that great just to do what's right because you were told to or, you know. But that's a starting point, but that's not what it's all about. By the grace of the Holy Spirit, we're taught, we're given true freedom. We can do what is right, not because someone said so, not because you have to, but because you can. <laughs> you ever thought about that? Don't, I always tell people, don't pray because Father said so. Pray because you can. Draw near to God, not because you think you have to. Draw near to God because the uncreated has breached the boundary between space and time. And wants to be with you. And even better to dwell in you. Abide in you. That is a, that's the kind of freedom we're talking about here. Not that tight-lipped religiosity. Yeah, thank you. The freedom to love God. And to be loved most truly. I heard something so awesome in the orthros this morning. I wrote it down. I don't want to go too long because I want you all to stay for the, uh, the kneeling prayers today. And I don't want to wear you out. But I read something so beautiful or heard something. Maybe I don't have it right in front of me. That's okay. It, was ref it referred to the Holy Spirit as Water, fire, and mystery. Water, which brings forth life. Fire, which burns, but not to destroy, but to illuminate and cleanse. Mystery, to grant us an experience of that which is beyond comprehension. And as you know, you've been in catechism recently, especially, we use the word mystery with reference to the sacrament. The God who's outside of space and time breaks forth and accomplishes something. And it is God who's at work by the grace of the Holy Spirit in each and every one of the sacraments. And beloved in Christ, I want to encourage you today to seek the kind of freedom to receive the refreshing and cleansing water that comes by the grace of the Holy Spirit, but also the illuminating and cleansing fire and to enter into that beloved word of ours, that mystery of life in Christ. 
but it's like stepping into a cloud. Your own rational mind gets to put itself at ease, but it doesn't like to do that. But we need to shh, quiet sometimes and just listen. And hear even what we don't want to hear at times. And when we don't know, we wait longer. We pray, asking God, who is good, who is loving, who wants to inspire us and lead us on a level path, who wants to give us the agility to endure all that the world can seemingly throw at us to, to destroy us, but it just proves the glory and grace of God all the more. He gives us the strength and the freedom to rely on Him. And so that's my inspiring homily for this most beautiful and glorious feast. Praying that all of us would experience, enter into the water, the fire, and the mystery of God's love, which is His very presence that demands nothing less than all of us, all that we are. And so we institute again that prayer that I hope you missed because I did. And when I was a little tired, I started saying it a couple of times in my prayers. Oh, heavenly king, comfort. No, sorry. No, not yet. It's not Pentecost yet. But now we say it again. And you heard it sung so beautifully at the end of Orthros if you were here. Oh, heavenly king, comforter the Spirit of truth, who art everywhere present and fillest all things, treasury of blessings and giver of life, come and abide in us and cleanse us from every impurity and save our souls, O good one. I end with these beautiful words. Come and dwell in us. Come the true light. Come eternal life. Come the resurrection of the dead. Come the mighty one who creates all things and recreates. Come breath and life. The consolation of my humble soul, its joy and glory, and my perpetual delight. O good comforter, save us who sing to thee. Alleluia. Amen.